It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where a main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Slippy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SlippyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the NFL fanatics, the NFL gurus. I got Dan Rivera in the house. You guys can find him at Dan Rivera 228 And I also have Steve Reeder, Avoid the Vig. You guys can find him at Avoid the Vig as well on Twitter. And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. NFL preview. We're going to go ahead. We're going to look at teams we're high on, teams we're low on. We're also going to go ahead and give you guys an early season best bet for the NFL. I want to go ahead. I want to start out with Steve. He hasn't had a whole hell of a lot of airtime doing a lot of stuff for us on the back end of the betting predator. Steve, big thanks to you uh, for all your hard work. Now we're going to get some real work out of here. We're going to get you on the mic. We're going to get you giving out some picks, talking about the NFL. Now we have a bunch of teams this year that have made a lot of different transactions, quarterbacks coming in. Running backs going out, wide receivers coming in, players retire, and all the types of things that we have to go ahead and take a look at. Schedules have come out for all the teams in the NFL. So now we kind of feel comfortable that we kind of have a picture of what each team looks like as of right now. And we can start projecting, you know, what we think we'll do for the future. So, Steve, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to start out with you. Why don't you go ahead and tell me which team you're lowest on for this upcoming NFL season? Uh, certainly, Sleepy. Thank you very much. When we were preparing for this, I looked at a couple different teams. Uh, Jacksonville under 6.5, Denver under 8.5 plus money. But the team that I really settled on, that I'm really down on the most, uh, that reminds me a lot of last year's Jacksonville Jaguars, is the Houston Texans. The win total is still 4.5. It is heavily vigged down to 155 right now across the market. Uh, but ultimately, uh, looking back at last year, I-, I think you really see what direction they're headed in right now. They started last year off 0-4, and the four losses weren't even that bad. I mean, you're looking, they lost at KC, Baltimore, at Pittsburgh, and at home at Minnesota. Uh, They then went 4-3, so they completely turned it around, but they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars twice, they beat New England, and they beat Detroit, they had another win. And they finished the year losing five in a row. They were 6-10 against the spread, and no matter how bad and poorly they played, the market couldn't catch up to them. And I still feel that the market is too high. They had the fourth worst against the spread margin in the league by three and a half points. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, top five quarterback in Deshaun Watson, who played in every game last year. Now the real question is, will he play this year? They were six and 10, you know, against the spread, and they might not even have this quarterback. They might not be able to trade him with everything that's going on. So ultimately right now, let's say that Deshaun Watson does not play. We have Tyrod Taylor or Ryan Finley at quarterback. That is not making anyone feel very warm inside. Bill O'Brien was a decent coach, but he was a dumpster fire as a GM. Insert new head coach David Culley, uh, the Baltimore assistant head coach. Uh, he's headed into the offseason with Nick Casario, the new GM. $20 million over the cap before all this started. They had no draft picks in the first two rounds. And they made no substantial moves in, in the draft or the free agency. I was looking at their their biggest moves that they had was Rex Burkhead, Mark Ingram, and Philip Lindsay. With David Johnson at the roster uh, as running back, I'm not sure if they're going back to the wishbone or what they're doing. But ultimately, with this coaching staff, with the GM that they have, they have time right now. They are just hired. They don't need to win right now. This is a long-term rebuild process. And honestly, I would not be the least bit surprised right now if Houston only gets a win or two throughout the year. I have played under Houston Texans under four and a half. And if you can get it anywhere around 145, I would 100% fire on that right now. You know, I do have two concerns for this Texans team when it comes to taking a look at the under. Number one, it's Deshaun Watson. What if he plays, Steve? If Let's say everything gets cleared up and he's now the quarterback. 
How do you feel about the four and a half bet under, you know, that you already made? So for me, I'm looking at it as of last year, they had four wins anyway. So what exactly did they improve this offseason? They brought in a whole bunch of guys, obviously, that are looking to compete, uh, which I respect that. Ultimately, when your team is poor, you bring in a whole bunch of guys and let someone earn the position because, frankly, no one does after the year that they've had last year. So for me, you know, if he does play, which I, I, I would be shocked if he played at any substantial point of, of this year at all. Uh, but ultimately, I, I'm not concerned. I don't think the team is any better. I mean, Bill O'Brien was a decent head coach. His remnants of being GM are still going to be there this year and certainly for years to come. So for me, I just I see this as a long-term rebuild. I just don't see the Houston Texans uh, being productive this year, and I think they're going to be okay with that. Uh, they have to look two, three years down into the future uh, to get back to their winning ways. And I think they're probably another year or two away from the complete bottom of the rebuild. I still think they're going to try to go ahead and get rid of people. And I believe Watson's going to be one of those guys. And I mean, you made it pretty simple. The fact that they had Watson last year and they only won four games. Well, if you're taking the best player off the team and arguably one of the better quarterbacks, if not, you know, one of the top five, six best quarterbacks in the league, which way do you go? I mean, the only way you can go is probably down. And then you lose a big veteran on the other side of the football in J.J. Watt. So this team can only probably get worse. And I actually think that they will over the next year or two. I think the rebuild starts now, but I still think they have to tear down in order to really start that rebuild in full swing. So I can only agree with you here uh, with the Houston Texans being a team that that you probably don't want any part of. Maybe we can bet on them, you know, in particular weeks, but as far as looking for that team, you know, to have a successful season and to get over that four and a half mark, uh, I just don't see it. And if Deshaun Watson's not out there, I think it's going to be extremely hard for that team uh, to go ahead and get the five wins. Dan, I'll go ahead. I'll throw it over to you. Team that you are lowest on going into this season, who do you got? I don't know if I'm the lowest on them, but I'm definitely lower than market consensus. I'm lower on the Tennessee Titans, and I get the Julio Jones trade. The media blew up talking about, oh, Julio Jones is going to come save this team. Slippy, that trade doesn't make any sense to me, the Falcons side, because now it seems like the Falcons are just going to mail it in this year. Julio Jones is up there in age. He's been in the league for a while. And he has a hamstring last year. Last year, he missed quite a few games. And then some of the games he did play, there was no way he was 100% healthy. The Tennessee Titans defense wasn't very good. And this year, I think it's going to be worse. I know Vrabel gets a nice pedigree for being a defensive guy. But you can't be having your defense ranked bottom 10 in most categories when you're the head coach. That secondary is going to get worse. They drafted the cornerback out of Virginia Tech this year, Caleb Fairley. But Fairley has a back injury, and I am super concerned about guys with back injuries in the NFL because it's only one hit away and they're done for the year. The OC and Arthur Smith left. I think Ryan Tannehill is going to finally see some regression this year because Arthur Smith did a lot of play action, and Ryan Tannehill, by most metrics, did really well under play action. You got A.J. Brown on the side. Julio Jones is kind of a number two now, I think. But for this team to get an extra half win now, go from nine to nine and a half, and maybe in Julio Jones' prime, I would buy it, but there's no way Julio Jones right now is worth an extra half a win. So, Sleepy, if you factor in the defense and the downgrading OC, I think I'm lower on the Titans. They could win eight games. They could win nine games. But that's this team to win 10 to 11 games this year with all the losses. I think it's a bit of a stretch. And I think everyone needs to chill out and tighten Julio Jones. So sleepy, I am lower on the Titans this year. Yeah, I think the addition of Julio Jones is going to obviously probably help them 
in the department that they can go ahead and probably put more points up on the board. I think they're going to be a dangerous team. I haven't fully done a whole hell of a lot of work on that team in particular. I don't know if I want to go against you, Dan, or, or stay with you. Here's a team I have to do some extra work on, too, and it's a team that I'm probably going to be the lowest on for the entire season. That's the Baltimore Ravens. Right now, their season win total is at 11. I just think that that's just way too high. Uh, that team was really good two years ago. Surprised a lot of people. Last year, they slid a little bit, and I think they probably slide this year even more. That division is going to be tough. I think with a healthy Joe Burrow, I think the Bengals' offense will be tough. I think Pittsburgh is probably going to go into this season talking about Ben Roethlisberger and if that offense could really get it going, if they could avoid some of the mental mistakes that they made at the end of the year. And we know that Cleveland's probably going to be a good team. They just throw so many different weapons at you in that division where, you know, you're dealing with the Bengals with the wide receivers. You're dealing with Pittsburgh with defense and wide receivers and veteran quarterbacks. You're dealing with Cleveland who, you know, they're a running team who they're going to they're going to have an improved defense. I just feel like that division is going to be really tough on one particular team. And it's going to be the Ravens, a team that I believe this year they're going to have to throw the football, you know, according to their schedule. They have some really tough home games this year against Indy, against Chargers, against Minnesota, uh, Cleveland, Green Bay, the Rams, Pittsburgh. And you go up and down the list. I mean, the Chiefs are even in there for their home games. Well, you generally want the weak teams at home because you can go ahead and you could take care of them. But they're not going to get a lot of easy home games this year. They're going to end up with uh, some of the easier teams on the road this year. But that's not always, you know, a good situation for a team. I, I don't like their backfield. I know J.K. Dobbins hasn't exactly broke out. And the wide receiver core, I don't think it's all that bad with Hollywood Brown. But then they bring Sammy Watkins in from Kansas City, who I think he's seen his better days. Uh, I'm not uh, super duper high on him. Mark Andrews, not bad. But I just feel like 11 wins is just a stretch too much uh, for this team who I want to say they over exceeded what they were supposed to do two years ago. And look, they're not a bad football team, but I just feel like they're just being priced too high in the market. And 11 wins is just too much for me. I haven't officially made an underplay on them, but I just think that team getting a 12 wins to beat you uh, is just going to be too tough. And this might be the year where, you know, we start questioning, you know, Lamar Jackson and his throwing ability. And if he doesn't get it right this year, and I'm banking that he doesn't, then I think that that team uh, could potentially struggle. I don't like the schedule, and I obviously don't like the division that they're in either. So with all the teams that we kind of don't like, why don't we go ahead and jump over to the teams that we do. Dan, I'll go ahead. I'll let you rip and run first on the team that you like the most going into this season. What do you got? One team I'm higher on than the consensus market is the Carolina Panthers. I did bet this team over seven and a half wins plus 110. If you can find a decent price at seven, I wouldn't mind that either. The Panthers last year, they went 5-11 and 11 with a rookie head coach and no offseason to practice with and pretty much a brand new defense. This year, they get an offseason, that defense has playing time, and they get a second year under the OC. Now, with Sam Darnold, yes, I know it's cool to bash him, but no, I don't think he's bad as everybody makes him out to be. I don't know a single player who did well under Adam Gase. You see some of these star players in Devontae Parker and Ryan Tannehill. The second they get away from Adam Gase, they start to thrive and look much better than they are under Adam Gase. Sam Darnold gets an upgrade in a team, coach, GM, OC, defense, and a culture. He gets hit the reset button and gets it completely upgraded pretty much everywhere all over the field and team. The Panthers' strength of schedule is number 13 in the league. 
Panthers have a very late bye week, week 13. But lucky for them, we saw last year for the Bucks with that late bye, they just turn it on after that. The Panthers also get the Bucks week 18, the last game of the year. By then, the Bucks should have a playoff spot wrapped up and most likely will be sitting starters. And that'll be pretty much a free win at that point. If you get the first month alone, Sleepy, the Panthers play Jets, Saints, Texans, and Cowboys. Well, we know the Jets are pretty much a rebuilding team. We know the Saints won't have Drew Brees, and I think they're going to struggle a bit early with James Winston or Taysom Hill. Texans, well, they're the Texans. And lastly, with the Cowboys, do any of us really trust the Cowboys? I know I don't. I know anybody who bets on them really doesn't trust them consistently. After that, there's a lot of mediocre teams after that first month. A lot of 50-50 games. And to me, the Panthers are more than capable of winning seven and a half games. I think this team is probably eight or nine wins. If they're on the high side of variance, I think it's a 10-win team as a long shot. But at seven and a half wins, as long as Sam Darnold stays healthy, I think the Panthers are much more capable of winning eight to nine games than they are losing or winning seven games. And you know how I feel about Sam Darnold, Dan. I'm not high on him at all, but I know he was put in a really bad situation in New York. I think he comes into this season with, you know, a lot of confidence and just a better feeling about, you know, where his career could end up because I felt like if he stayed with the Jets or he went to a team that wasn't in, you know, a good rebuild mode that he could end up being a backup quarterback, you know, for however many years he had left. But this is certainly a situation that, you know, he's going to have to thrive in. And I think that they do have enough weapons. They do have a decent head coach. I feel like their organization from the top, you know, considering the brass, you know, they're doing all the right things to go ahead and get better. I particularly don't have an opinion on whether that team goes under or over their win total. Still have some things to do, but I believe there is light at the end of the tunnel, more positive than negative. So I'm not against your pick uh, in any shape or form. Steve, what team are you the highest on going into the season? Yeah, I'm looking at the Chargers. Uh, ultimately, Justin Herbert shot out of the cannon last year. I'm not sure if anybody expected him to do that well, being the sixth overall pick, thrusted into the action because of Tyrod Taylor's injury. They didn't start off very well. They were 0-4, 1-7, 2-9. Uh, but ultimately, they finished the year 4-0. They beat Atlanta at Las Vegas, Denver, and, and they beat KC at the end of the year in, in a remarkable, remarkable game. And really, this is a play on... I guess like four things. Justin Herbert, I mean, how, how do you not get excited about this guy? Uh, quarterbacks tend to make a bigger jump their second year than their first. I mean, uh, what he showed the first year was incredible. He threw for over 300 yards, 8 of 15 games. Uh, his probably number one offensive we- weapon, Austin Eckler, was injured for a lot of that. Uh, the the defensive playmaker, Derwin James, is also healthy now after being uh, constantly injured last year and being out for a lot of time. Their special teams were absolutely and utterly abysmal. So any improvement, uh, even back to just mediocrity, it would be a major improvement for this team. Another area where they were struggling mightily was at the head coach. Anthony Lynn was an embarrassment. I actually thought Justin Herbert might save this guy's job. They did the smart decision. He seems like a really nice guy. I'm sure he is. He's a, I'm sure he's a great father and knows a ton about football, but he needs to do it somewhere else and not be the head coach. He has been replaced by Brandon Staley, which is the former defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams. He led and orchestrated the best defense in the league last year. Everything that I've read about this guy is that he's innovative, which is exactly what Anthony Lynn was not. They're prioritizing the offensive line to protect Justin Herbert. They grabbed Rashawn Slater from uh, Northwestern in the draft. This team is poised to make another step forward. Yeah, they're in a difficult division. I am high on them. And you could really get them right now anywhere from uh, over eight and a half wins, heavily juiced, all the way up to under nine and a half juiced to the under as well. 
Right now, at DraftKings, minus 110 either side is something that I, I, I will play. I have not played it, but probably as soon as we're done, done here, I will jump on the over nine wins there. I think the sky's the limit for Justin Herbert. And with his ascension, the Chargers will also become significantly better. I, I see them making a run for this division. I, I know that sounds crazy, but I, I definitely think they're going to be above 500. I think when it comes to Herbert, Steve, that nobody expected him to play at that type of level. Um, last year, how many quarterbacks could you really compare to him? I don't think that there's that many in the league. He was playing at such a high level. And the fact that you can build around that, I don't believe you need to have those big marquee type names. He played in a sense to where he's making players around him better, where you know if you put you know your, your B-rated type of wide receivers with you know, a Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes, he can turn them into household names. And I feel like Herbert kind of has that maybe going for him because obviously he hasn't hit his ceiling yet. If he had that type of a rookie season, you know, where could this guy be in four or five years and what could he do for the players around him? I believe he'll make those players around him just so much better. That's a team I have to wait and see on. Uh, I'm obviously kind of high on them as well. And a lot of it's just circled around you know, the head coach being gone, I thought he was a bonehead. And, you know, the fact that Herbert's just playing at such a high level and that team is doing, you know, everything that they can to go ahead and improve. Here's a team that I'm high on. It's going to be the Indianapolis Colts. And I think a lot of it comes down to a lot of the negatives around Carson Wentz and the struggles that he had last season. Let's go back to when he had his MVP type year. The offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles at the time is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz and Frank Reich had a very good relationship. They liked each other. And if you ask me, that was one of the main reasons why they were able to go ahead and win a Super Bowl. If you go back to last year and even the year before with Doug Peterson, I believe that was how the Philadelphia Eagles ended up crashing and burning. And I can also go ahead and attribute a lot of the struggles for Wentz and the Eagles due to the offensive line and wide receiver injuries. But now you take Wentz out of Philadelphia and you put him on Indy. We talked about the head coach. I believe that'll be a nice fit. But now you have three legit wide receivers in T.Y. Hilton, Pittman, and Campbell. Can they stay healthy? That's going to be the question. And if they are, I believe Carson Wentz has a very good chance to have a rock-solid season. You add in two tight ends that are grizzled vets that kind of know the scheme, know the system that Frank Reich has, and that's Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox. So those guys are going to go out there. They're going to get their 40 catches out of the year. You know, They'll get their four or five touchdowns. They'll move the chains. Those guys can block. Speaking of blocking, I do believe that they probably have one of the better offensive lines in the league. And you have a very good running back in Jonathan Taylor who could block as well. And then you throw Naheem Mines in the mix. And now you kind of have an offense that can do probably anything that you want it to do, especially with a quarterback that's competent like Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz will go out and kind of have maybe an MVP type season where he probably lands in the top 10 in this league. And a lot of people might laugh at that, but you have to go back to Philadelphia and what happened last year. He had no offensive line. He was being sacked on every other play, being rushed out of the pocket every single play. And then he had guys coming from grocery stores and used car sales dealerships to go and throw the ball to. So nothing worked for him. And he had a coach that was an absolute bonehead. So you're putting this team in a better situation because last year they had Phillip Rivers, who was in his retirement year, and they still did well. So I can only imagine how well they're going to do this year with Carson Wentz. I am high on the Colts. I think that they probably win 11 or 12 games this season right now. You can find the over and under for the season win total at 9.5. Now, there is a lot of juice on that, 
So if anybody out there can find a Colts 10, let me know. I want to bet that because I believe I'll get a little bit of plus money, but I do believe that the Colts have a very, very good chance of probably winning 11 games this year. And I really didn't even talk about the defense yet. I think that defense is probably going to be top 10 in the league, very good defense, and they'll be able to go ahead and not put Carson Wentz in a situation like the Eagles did last year where he had to go out there and feel like he just had to go out there and win every single game by himself. That's not going to be the situation. This is a great situation for him, a great situation for the Indianapolis Colts. And I do think that they'll thrive this year. So that's a team that I am highest on. I want to go ahead real quick here and give out some bets that we like. I have one that I like. Steve, you have one. Dan, you have one. Dan, why don't you go ahead and start out? What what bet are you looking to go ahead and make now that we can go ahead and give out to our listeners? A bet I made now, made before, and debating if I want to make it again. Lions, under five wins, about minus 120 odds. The short answer is the Lions stink, and most of you will probably agree with it. No one will disagree with it. But the long answer is the Lions downgraded in QB, despite a guy who convinced the media world he was pretty solid. Well, it turns out golf is really not that good, and it's all Sean McVay. The Lions themselves have a bottom five wide receiver position. Somehow this pass defense is going to get worse this year by some miracle. They'll have a lot of rookies starting on defense, and I don't like backing teams like that. And lastly, I don't know what Dan Campbell's doing. He's kind of a tool, if you ask me. If you look at their schedule, though, Sleepy and Steve, the Lions have the seventh most difficult schedule using Vegas forecast win totals. In their first eight weeks alone, they play the Niners, Packers, Ravens, Vikings, and Rams. Those are all probably 10-plus point losses. The other three games, they play the Bears, who most likely start fields by then, Bengals and Eagles. Best case scenario, they win one game. If they're really lucky, they get two wins there. Unfortunately, the back half doesn't get much easier after the Week 9 bye. Their easiest games come against the Bears, who again probably have fields, and the Broncos in Weeks 12 and 14. The rest are adverse teams who are, again, just far superior in them and probably can name their score at that point. Going through that schedule, I don't know how they get to six wins. I don't know how they get to five wins. And I'm really having a tough time finding four wins from them. I'll be nice and give the Lions three wins. And then if they're really lucky, four wins. At a season win total of five, I just don't understand how they're going to get the six wins. And really lane minus 120. This is a Lions team who is just bad at everything but offensive line. This is a Lions team who doesn't have a quarterback of the future. They don't have a head coach, despite what they keep telling themselves. And this is a team who's probably looking next year, probably the number two pick. And maybe, if they're lucky, the Texans win more games than them. Maybe end up with the number one pick. Just when you add it all up, I just don't understand how the Lions are going to get six wins, let alone five. So, I like the Lions under five wins, minus 120. All right, solid pick there from Dan Rivera. Let me go ahead and give you mine quickly. I'm going to go ahead. I'm probably going to end up playing the Saints under nine and a half wins. I think it's kind of like an addition by subtraction kind of thing. If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took Jameis Winston off that team and inserted Tom Brady, and they went from a non-playoff team to a Super Bowl winning team, that kind of just tells me how bad Jameis Winston is as a starting quarterback. We know about his turnovers. So now you put him on the Saints, he's going to end up being the starter there. More than likely, it's probably not going to be Taysom Hill. And then I look at the Saints, and every year you end up with a playoff team that ends up not making the playoffs. That's kind of how it goes. You always find that one team that ends up in the playoffs, and then they don't make the playoffs. And I do think it's probably the Saints here. 
Michael Thomas last year was la- rather discouraged at, at particular times of the year. In my opinion, if you add Winston with his turnovers, with the potential of a disgruntled wide receiver, and they're probably one injury away from Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara from being a really bad team, I don't see any other way to bet the Saints this year except under. Because for the last maybe five, six, seven, eight years with Drew Brees, you know, that team has been relatively, I want to say, good, competitive playoff team. And I think that they're still pricing them like they have that shine on them and that maybe they were looking down on Drew Brees as a quarterback who was really falling off. I would rather Drew Brees this year in his retirement than Jameis Winston. So I'm not high on the Saints at all this year. I think that I'm probably going to end up playing them under the nine and a half wins. I wouldn't be shocked if that team ends up winning like six games this year. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to if Michael Thomas is disgruntled and they end up with, you know, a key injury either to him or Alvin Kamara, I could just see that team kind of struggling, maybe even potentially tanking to say, you know what, we need to find us a quarterback that doesn't turn it over, you know, 26, 30 times a year. And I believe that the rebuild, you know, after Drew Brees is kind of going in motion here. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and play the Saints under their season win total of nine and a half. So that wraps up my early best bet for you guys. Steve, I'll let you go ahead and close this one up. What's your early best bet for the NFL this year? I'm going right to the New York Giants. Uh, Ultimately, if we take a look at last year, Joe Judge got thrusted into a position where uh, it's difficult for anyone taking over as a first-time head coach ever for a professional ball club to do so in a shortened offseason with the limitations that he had in a COVID year with contact tracing. It was an impossible situation to go into. Add into the fact that your starting left tackle opts out at the last second. He has injuries to Barkley, who's supposed to be the, the the pillar of that offense. He only plays in one game, and he goes down with an injury. Xavier McKinney, the prize second-round draft pick that was supposed to be starting at safety, is on IR, IR, IR for 11 games. True, everybody gets injuries, but it just seems like there was a rash of things that happened to the Giants that really set them back. Sterling Shepard was out for five games uh, on IR. Daniel Jones missed two games. He was injured and hobbled throughout the time. And even when he could stand up, he couldn't even make it to the end zone when there's no one but uh, green grass in front of him. Evan Ingram was a pro ball tight end for the Giants. It has to be the worst pro ball season in the history of the NFL. He was abysmal. The Giants started off 0-5. They eventually win a game. They go 1-7. The start of the year was absolutely horrendous. Add in to the Golden Tate drama because he wants the ball even though he's terrible. Add in the offensive line coach, Mark Colombo, nearly having a fisticuffs with Joe Judge. Everything you heard coming out of this locker room last year, despite everything else collapsing around him, was all positive. So much so that they turned their year around. They finished strong, winning five of eight games. They had wins at Washington and Seattle. No Barkley, no offensive line, no offensive weapons. Evan Ingram being whatever Evan Ingram is. They were 29th in YPP, 31st in points four. They finished the season six and 10. The line this year is priced at six and a half. Let's take a look at what they've done this offseason to improve, not to mention everybody that's getting healthy. In free agency, they added a number one wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. They resigned Leonard Williams. They brought in a Dory Jackson, who is now an embarrassment of riches in that secondary, maybe one of the best secondaries in the NFL. In the draft, they traded down for value when things weren't breaking right. For the first time in Gettleman's career, to the astonishment of many, Kadarius Tony is a playmaker. They grabbed a Z Jolari, the outside linebacker, which was a hole for them. 
Gettleman overspent in free agency. That's the big talk that everyone's saying. He, he messed up. Look at what he's done. He's, he paid too much for these contracts or negative. Um, but the players that they got are positives, and they filled roles that the Giants needed. They had a savvy draft. Now, the biggest question marks, and rightfully so for the Giants, is Daniel Jones. Is he going to come back and be better? His first year, he showed some promise, a lot of turnovers. He quelled some of those turnovers concerns. But this is the first year he's actually had a returning offensive coordinator and a returning coach. And yes, it's true he hasn't been good. But they weren't good, and they won six games last year. Their offensive line last year featured a hodgepodge of players that weren't really all that great. As the season progressed, they got better. The team is higher on them than the outsider perspective. Thomas, Pert, and Lemieux were all uh, rookies last year that actually came in and performed admirably, and you would anticipate they would improve this year. They're significantly talent improvement via uh, free agency. They have playmakers on both sides of the ball. Daniel Jones's floor was six wins. The market is everywhere from six and a half with juice to seven and a half. You can get it anywhere right now. Whatever you're looking for, you can get. Now, right now, the best line, and I know a lot of people don't want to do this because of the heavy VIG, and I don't blame you, is minus 165 at bet 365 over six and a half wins. Seven wins gets you that win. Now, when you're moving from one win total to another, every half a point, every half a win is worth 50 cents. So the bet 365 is actually a little bit better than William Hill, uh, New York Giants, over seven wins, minus 120. Personally, I split my bet. I have half at over six and a half, and I have also played over seven wins. Very important to get to seven. Seven and a half is not something I'm interested in. You want to make sure you can get that push. You don't want to lose that big in that respect. So my best bet is the Giants over six and a half, seven wins. However you want to play that, I'm all about it. That is an all-time great pick announcement. I am standing and applauding. All right, well, there's a way the big going ahead, given his best bet out there on the New York Giants I don't know about you Dan but I felt like I was in this New York Giants hype video and Steve if you're looking for employment I believe if the the Giants are looking for anybody to do any type of hype videos uh, you might be the guy because you thoroughly convinced the hell out of me but that's the way you made me feel when you were going ahead giving out your handicap I said this sounds like this is a New York Giants hype video and although you were giving out a good pick um, your, your presentation there was was rock solid. I'm, I'm actually excited now to go ahead and see you know how well the Giants do. And I'm right with you, man. I think that you know the fact that Jones is going to get another year, they bring in Galladay, he's going to be a big help. And the fact that Saquon comes back just offensively, I don't think anybody knows how explosive they can be. And if Jones comes out and he can deliver and play so much better, that Giants team now not only becomes good, they become dangerous. So I appreciate you guys jumping on the pod, going ahead and giving out your picks. Uh, We went ahead, we previewed our highs, our lows, and our early best bets for the NFL season. You guys know where to find us at thebettingpredators.com and on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame at DanRivera228 and at AvoidTheVig. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck this week. Enjoy the games.